going to need help, Edward. Help. Um, the changer is up there on the corner of the sound. We left it there last night, and I forgot to grab it. Let's just keep me humble. Keep me humble, Lord. He'll do it. I'll tell you, pray that. He'll find a way to do it for you. And uh, so today we're looking at radical hospitality. Radical hospitality. You've heard that passage. Jared, you can push it to the next slide for me. And uh, we've been looking and we're starting a new series. Last week we had the um, intro to it. Remember we talked about attractional and missional. He's so good he even disinfects it for me. Way to go there. Thank you. And uh, so uh, we, we've been talking about that, and this is a series that I, you know, next week I won't be here, Taverly will be preaching, and then we'll pick back up on this. Uh, but these five practices that you kind of find to be, to be, you know, part of the church, a growing, vibrant, fruitful congregation, these are the five practices that have been true in any circumstance and are true globally, doesn't matter where the church is or what language they speak, or where they meet, uh, what continent they are on. These are the five fruitful practices. The five practices of fruitful congregations. And so today, uh, we are looking at radical hospitality. And so it's an interesting story, and it's called The Ministry That Rocks. There was a little rural congregation, true story, in the, in the area of Missouri, and it grew to over 150 people in attendance. And so the secret was this radical hospitality, active, uh, and it became contagious throughout the whole congregation. For instance, what happened was when a mom was visiting, uh, and she was very self-conscious about her baby making noise and just felt very out of place in the church, the pastor met with the congregation and the elders, the leaders, and they decided that they valued having this young mom with her baby there. And so they said, what can we do to help this young mom who feels so self-conscious in our little congregation? And so they decided to buy the best padded rocking chair they could buy. And they put it at the back of the small sanctuary where at the at last pew, because that's the only place they could fit it, and they put it there for this mother. Well, this mother thought it was so wonderful that the church was trying to do what they could to welcome her. And it wasn't long that they had to buy two more rocking chairs, and there were three moms at the back rocking their babies on Sunday. They began to go around telling other parents, you know what, this is the friendliest congregation you're going to find. They're the friendliest people. And so it wasn't long that the church decided that besides just buying the rocking chairs for the moms, they made their youth room more inviting for young people, and they built a new extension on the building to make it handicap accessible. And the pastor and congregation used these things to communicate to the, the uh, community at large that we are a welcoming congregation. And I would be interesting to follow up to know how that congregation is doing today. This was a story from a little while back. But here's a question that I've been pondering this week. How would you treat Jesus if he walked in here today? What would you do? How would you greet him? You know, I, I was thinking about that. Because we did talk about the book of uh, Revelation and the church in Ephesus and even before that, all the churches, it says that Jesus is present in his church. He's walking amongst his lifestands. 
So we talked about a few weeks ago, Jesus is here. And, and so we know that. That's, that's biblical. But what would you do if he walked in physically? <laughs> what would you do if Jesus walked in here physically on a Sunday morning? How would you treat him? Jesus said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. That's our main verse today for our passage. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Cadrian read, you know, that passage is even longer, but we just kind of took out five verses there. Uh, verses 35 to 40 in Matthew chapter 25, if you want to open up your Bibles. But Jesus mentions in this passage very simple things, doesn't he? Very practical things. And he talks about giving a hungry man a meal, a thirsty man a drink, a welcoming the stranger, cheering up the sick, or visiting those who are in prison. <clears throat> do you know that these things are something that everyone can do? Think about it. Every one of us can do that. It's not just for those who are in leadership in the church. But every one of us can easily do these very practical things that Jesus said. It's for someone who is hungry to give them a meal, someone who is thirsty to give them a drink, to welcome the stranger, to go and visit the sick and cheer them up, and to visit people in prison. Well, maybe we don't get to visit a lot of people in prison uh, as we used to. I know I've had the opportunity to go into prison. But I'll tell you one thing, through COVID and isolation, and, and a lot of our seniors and their shut-ins feel like they're in a prison. Right? Maybe we can't go into the manor right now and can't go into um, the Tignish Seniors or the hospitals, but we can go into the Phillips. Or we can knock on the senior's door with a package of love saying, you're missed and we love you. There are ways that all of us can find a way to do some of this. And so Jesus is saying that this is for all ages. You can do this as a teenager. A child can do this. It is something we can all do. And what's interesting is there's no strings attached to what Jesus is asking us. See, what happens in our world, uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It's always very calculating. And I, sometimes there's something that irks me. Well, there's a lot of things that irk me, and you know that as a pastor. It always irks me when we're going to do something, and then somebody has to bring that question up. Well, what are we going to get out of that? <laughs> we miss the point. Because Jesus, all through his Gospels, helped people, loved people, did things for people because he just did it. There was never any strings attached. Now, he would say to them, follow me, and it was their decision to follow him. We know that he healed the ten le lepers. How many came back to say thank you? We used to go through this a lot with the volunteers at the food bank in Toronto that Pastor Mike oversaw. And, and in that food, there would be people that say, well, you know, what are, what are we going to get back from helping these ones? And it's like, you've missed it. We're helping people and feeding them, but they're not coming to church on Sunday. You've missed it. Because, yes, of course, we want them to be a part of the family of God, and we want them to know Jesus. But that is not why you do what God is calling you to do. You have to do that and leave the rest with God and pray and invite and love. No strings attached. And this is what God is asking of us. There are always those 
who will only help as long as they are giving a platform or praise or a place to pad their own self-esteem. That's not generosity, my friends. That's selfishness and self-centeredness. But I, I want to say something to you. We've been talking a lot, I know a lot, uh, love to talk about the end times and love to talk about when Christ returns, and that's wonderful. But this passage is about his return. It's about, on the judgment day, about Jesus dividing what? The sheeps and the goats. And so this is the Judgment Day passage. And what I find quite interesting is when people love to talk about end times, we don't talk about this one too much. And I'm included in that. Because Jesus says, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. That is part of what he's going to be doing here in the Judgment, because he says, when you did these things, it was as if you did it unto me. But he also says, when you withheld it from someone, it's as if you withheld it from me. And so we realize how important it is for us to be able to be the ones who welcome the stranger. The criterion imposed for the judgment is an interesting one. It hinges on the way in which those who are judged have treated one of the least of these, Jesus said. So at our judgment, the question will be said, how have you treated the least of these? Do you realize that? That's biblical. That's biblical. You've had opportunities all throughout your lifetime. You've had people all around you. I'm challenged by this too. You, you have all of this, and that is part of the criteria of the judgment, is how have we treated the least of these? Because when we treated them with kindness and compassion and love, it's as if we were treating Jesus himself. But the challenge is when we haven't, we have withheld, not from that stranger or that person, we have withheld from Jesus. This is a powerful statement from Barclay, one of the great commentaries. God will judge us in accordance with our reaction to human need. His judgment does not depend on the knowledge we have amassed, or the fame that we have acquired, or the fortune that we have gathered, but in the help that we have given. Martin Tours is a famous story. Mike believes it's got some German roots. And so uh, he was, though, a Roman soldier, possibly maybe uh, at that time in Germany. He was a Christian, and there was a cold, wintry day as he was entering a city. And a beggar stopped him and asked for alms. Martin had no money. He had nothing to give the man. But the beggar was shivering and cold, and Martin gave what he had. He took his soldier's coat, worn and frayed and not even great looking, and he cut it into two, and he kept half of it, and he gave the beggar the other half. That night, Martin had a dream, and in it he saw the heavenly places, and all the angels, and Jesus in the midst of them. Jesus was wearing half a Roman soldier's cloak. One of the angels said to Jesus, Master, why are you wearing that battered old cloak? Who gave that to you? And Jesus answered softly, 
my servant Martin gave it to me. Jesus said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. What would happen if the Church of Jesus Christ took these words seriously? I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Would we see strangers differently? Would we see them as someone who Jesus would want us to treat them as we would treat him? That's what radical hospitality is all about. You know, we talk about this, and we have talked about this over the years, but Christian hospitality is different than the way we usually use the term hospitality. We think of Martha Stewart. But vibrant, fruitful, growing congregations practice radical hospitality out of genuine love for Christ and genuine love for others, even the stranger. And we show the initiative by inviting and welcoming and including newcomers and help them to grow in their faith as they become a part of the body of Christ. The root word for hospitality, biblically, is the lover of strangers, people we do not know. It is a love for other people that is outward focused, reaching out to those who we do not yet know. Someone has wisely said, this is one of the true marks of Christian discipleship. Lover of strangers. Now, hear me right. There are some of us who came out of the wombs by speaking, <laughs> talking. And we don't have the problem. We've got the gift of gab and we can get a conversation going with anyone. Some of us are just gifted that way. Some of us are a little bit more shy. But the truth of it is, whatever your personality type, you can still love strangers. You can still show the love that Christ would have you show. You can still show that welcome, that Christian welcome to someone in your own genuine way. Hear me right, hospitality is different than entertainment. Entertainment is about the perfect environment, the perfect home, the perfect table. And it's about me wanting to impress you, ultimately. Where hospitality is about getting to know the person. It's about conversation. It's about building relationships. About inviting different people to come so that we can live the gospel out before them. A shared life together. And so hospitality cares and pursues and builds friendships. Radical hospitality is grounded in the Bible, is grounded in Christ, it is grounded in God's Word. Hospitality is all throughout the Bible. One of the earliest passages is in Deuteronomy when God reminded Israel to welcome the stranger. To welcome the stranger. We were all once estranged from God. All of us. Therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That's why Jesus, I mean, why God says to the Israelites, you were the stranger in a foreign land. Now that you are in the promised land, now you are the one who is also to welcome the strangers among you. And so we are called to do likewise. If we had not felt accepted, loved, welcomed, and supported, would we still be in the faith today? Somebody welcomed us. 
Somebody went ahead out of their comfort zone to make us feel that we were wanted in the family of God. It could be a parent, a spouse, a friend, a pastor, maybe even a stranger helped us to feel that we could belong to God's family and that we were people of value. And because of that, we are here today. And so we are called to do the same. It was the disciples in the Gospels who felt it was their role to protect Jesus. It was their role to build walls. It was their role to build distinctions around God's love and to keep people at a distance. Oh, they had a thousand reasons to ignore and avoid and thwart the approach of people coming to Jesus. Some of them were too young as they wanted to keep the children away. Some were too sick. Some were too sinful. Some were too Roman, the enemy. And some were too blind or too Gentile. They didn't deserve Jesus. He was ours. <laughs> and in every instance that you read that in the gospel, Jesus blew their boundaries out of place. And he went to people. And he went towards all people and all walks of life. And so if we are the church of who? Jesus Christ. We do likewise. All people. Who are we to send step and put restrictions and boundaries of who is welcome here and who is not. And the amazing thing about Jesus is Jesus invited all people to him and as he invited all people to him as we read in the Gospels, people felt comfortable with him and notice where Jesus got invited. Into their lives, into their mess, into their homes. And Jesus was known for dining with tax collectors and sinners. The ones that everyone else avoided, Jesus could be found there. See, the, the key here, as we look at this, is Jesus stepped towards people when everyone else stepped away. He stepped towards. And so the truth in this radical hospitality, instead of stepping away from people in protection and restrictions, God is asking us as the church of Jesus Christ to walk towards people. And I'll tell you one thing, when people have a sense that you are walking towards them, they're going to invite you into their lives, into their home, into their mess. As his representatives. Because you are following the example of Jesus by stepping towards. I have that hard question that I've asked myself already this week. So how do I respond? Do I step towards people and their need or do I step away? You see, we hear in the book of Acts how the early church took hospitality and turned their world upside down by it. Paul even said to the church in Rome, he told them, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so we see the early church began to use this as a method that as other people walked away, they would walk towards. Do you realize that the Romans would take and throw newborn babies aside and cast them aside because they were not wanted? Yes, who were the ones that were there in that heap of babies taking them and bringing them into the family? It was the Christians who said, maybe your mother and father didn't want you, but Jesus does. That's how our orphanages started in the world, was because Christians 
took babies out of those heaps. When plagues would happen and things would happen that, and the lepers and everyone else would step away, the Christians moved up and said, we just trust the Lord for our help. He's going to help us, but we're going to minister to your wounds and we're going to welcome you into the family of God. That's where our hospitals, believe it or not, where a lot of medical and hospitals have started is through Christians stepping towards people in the most difficult times. Think about Peter. I love that story of Peter. Peter had a vision one day, having a nap, a good glorified nap, Nazarene nap, up on his roof. I don't think you could do it here with the wind. <laughs> and as he's having this wonderful nap up on the roof, God is trying to say, Peter, I've got to show you something. Before I can use you, before you can do the mighty work of God that you need to be doing, I need to give you a vision, Peter. And he gives Peter this vision of food coming down and God telling him to eat it all. And he says, but never, Lord. And God has to do it the second time. And finally, he gets it. And then just as he wakes up, there's a knock at the door. And it's these messengers that have been sent by a Roman centurion, Cornelius. Now hear me right. The enemy. All your life. They've been known as the enemy. <laughs> and these messengers said, this Roman, God-fearing uh, centurion would like you, Peter, today to come into his house. And in that moment, Peter realized that it was his call not to step away, but step towards and walked into that house. And they accepted the Lord, and it says that the whole household were baptized. Because Peter, in that moment, became that lover of a stranger, that radical hospitality. Oh, all throughout church history, you can see this radical uh, hospitality working. And, and we don't have time to go through church history today. say, thank you, Jesus. But pastor's not going to go through all of church history. But one person in particular is John Wesley. And we know about the Wesley revival in England. And we say our roots in the Church of the Nazarene are Wesleyan. And so that's why John Wesley and his example and his brother and that revival is a big part of our DNA and who we are. And John Wesley was one who was a bishop and wealthy and a high position in the church. And then he decided instead of being up behind the pulpit and in the church with all the wealthy and the Christian people, he got out of the church and began to preach wherever he would be heard. And so he was known to preach in fields and preach in town squares and often many places he got kicked out. He even got kicked out of church cemeteries. He would even preach among the dead if God would give him a, an opportunity to do so. Do you realize that John Wesley rode 250,000 miles to preach the gospel of Christ? Oh, he didn't step back. He stepped towards, and he personally went to the poorest of the poor, the coal miners, the field laborers, the factory workers, the underclass. This is where he went to meet with people where they were at, and he brought the gospel of Christ right there where they were at. Quite interesting to see that, what is the name of our church? Do you know where you go to church? Church of the Nazarene, at the corner. Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene. Church of the Nazarene, do you know where our name comes from? Church of the Nazarene comes from the fact that Jesus of Nazareth, 
was a carpenter. And as he was a carpenter, he was a blue-collar worker. And at that time, at the, the inception of our church in the early 1900s, they were working with people, the hard-working class, much like Wesley did in his day, and saw a mighty revival that transformed England. That the Church of the Nazarene was working with those and going out and, and helping those that maybe the other churches wouldn't even care about. And so when they were trying to find a name for the movement, they said, well, Jesus of Nazareth, that carpenter, he would understand these people. And that is why our church today is called Church of the Nazarene. And so again, if we're going to be true to even the name of our congregation, the name of our denomination, is we aren't people who step back and stay in a church building, but we are the ones who step forward and are out in the farmer's fields and down at the pier and wherever God might find us. And we offer radical hospitality to all. Hoping that we might win some for Christ. Robert Schnaz in his book had a very powerful quote. I could have quoted more, but I won't. Just one quote. And I thought often, I've heard churches say this over the years. We're such a friendly church. We do fine with hospitality. He said, sometimes the greatest strength of faith communities is also their greatest weakness. Those already belong grow to love one another so much that their lives and interests become intertwined. These tight-knit friendships become impenetrable, though, to others. Clickish with a closeness that will close out new people. Those on the inside don't even notice. They feel content because their own needs are met. The church becomes inward focused, blind to the guests who feel like outsiders, and oblivious to the people who live in the immediate neighborhood. And, quote, wow. I've heard churches say to me so many times, we're such a friendly church, and yet so many people in the midst of that congregation feel left out, and not important, and not a part of it. You know, here's a challenge. We live in West Prince. I'm from away. And more and more people are from away. We can't seem to wrap our minds around the reality that in certain professions, and I won't say which, they show up and in a year they're gone. Gone. Now, if that happened once, we'd say it's that person. <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting where the rubber hits the road right now. We, we would say, and I'm talking about West Prince in general, we would say, we would say, well, it's that person. But when that happens repeatedly, I've been here almost eight years, and it happens repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly in some of the professions up in West Prince. And I've been at the conferences here in West Prince with the medical, trying to understand this and trying to find ways that we can welcome the newcomers that Maxine and others are such an integral part of. See, there is this idea that I can be friendly towards you, I can wave at you, I can say, hi, how are you doing? But that's as far as it goes. And people come and people go, and they never really feel that they've been welcomed in to the community. 
Where should those people go? I pray they don't leave West Prince. I pray that they find a sense of community where? Right here in the body of Christ. In Christ's church. Because we don't just show West Prince hospitality. We show Christ's hospitality. And we welcome the stranger as Christ would welcome the stranger. And whatever's going on in West Prince is wonderful. But when they walk in these doors, it's different here. Why? Because we're not just a community social club. We're the church of Jesus Christ. Where we, because the Father steps towards, and because he reaches out, we too reach out. My mother had a statement that I used to always get her into trouble. I tell it like it is. Some of you didn't like that comment. I can see it already in your face. Because you want to just say, well, that's not true. And so another person will come, and another family will come, and they'll leave in a year. And then another one, and another one, and another one. And we'll just say, that's not true, Pastor. I don't want to hear this. I'm telling you, as one from away, it is real and true in West Prince. But it doesn't have to be in here. And I pray that people will know that this church, maybe we don't have rocking chairs at the back for mothers, but they'll know in this church there is a place that I can go, that I feel welcome, that I feel I'm a part of the family of God, that I can find a place to connect. And they really do care about me, genuinely, authentically care about me. And they are offering radical, radical hospitality. My friends, if the church is going to grow, praise God for the growth that we've seen in all the decades before. But in a day like this with COVID and pandemic and people that are isolated from one another, even in those that are from here are isolated from one another, if there's going to be anything that is going to help this church grow, it's going to be this first practice. It is the practice of hospitality where we step towards people instead of stepping away. And I don't want to hear again somebody say to me, Pastor, who was that? As if I've got antennae. <laughs> but I pray that people have had enough people come up to them and say, I welcome you, and what's your name, and how long have you been here, and I, I hope you, you know, is there some way we can connect this week? That is what it means to offer radical hospitality. Jesus said it. <laughs> Pastor Mike said to me, Betty, you already had this sermon picked this week. And isn't it interesting, all the things that's happened in our lives this week. As we have had the opportunity to build relationship with a refugee family and invite them into West Prince with practical helps. And others in our church have helped with practical helps to show the love of Christ to this family. And Scott Smith, that works with Maxine and others, are working their hardest to make this family feel that we want them to stay in West Prince. One day I was out in one of the community groups and we were sharing a few years back and it was one part that's kind of where the piers are in Elberton. You know where it is. And we had talked about, you know, new people and welcoming new people and this person said to me, not a believer, not you won't, we don't want them. And I was kind of shocked. At that, we don't want them. We don't need this. We don't need any of this. They can just stay away. All of them can just stay away. We don't need this. I don't want this. We don't need this up in West Prince. We definitely don't need it there. 
We're fine, just the way we are. <laughs> and I thought, oh Lord, imagine being the new person walking into that and getting a sense that you're not welcome, <laughs> that you're not needed here. Oh, but there's some people we need because we need their services, and they're okay if they come and give us their services, whether that be a doctor or a nurse or a pastor or other people. But they're not welcomed. Oh, may that never be our words as the body of Christ. Because our Lord stepped towards us when he nailed himself to that cross. And the church is constantly, and throughout generations and all of history, constantly stepping towards people. And we as the church of Jesus Christ are to step towards people. Never step away. And Jesus says, truly I tell you, whether you did it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done it for me. Why am I so adamant about this? Well, maybe because I'm from away, and I don't have the connections you have. You know, everybody up here assumes that you have the connections. Everybody here assumes, and they put things up on Facebook or send me messengers, and I have to say, what do you mean by that? Because <laughs> I don't know. Somebody sent me something recently and just said, coop, C-U-P. Well, where's coop? What's coop? Cop. What's cop? Well, credit union place. I had to find out. I had to Google it. <laughs> so I wouldn't have got the ADL free milk and the cheese and the potatoes yesterday if I didn't know where coop, cop, coop was. And so you know what it is? Is We've just been here for so long and know each other and we use those terms, right? Like it's just... But I don't, right? And so we can see how easily it is for others. It's not none of it's intentional. None of us planned that. Some of us have never really traveled another part of the world or been anywhere else. We don't know what it's like. Some of you have never had the experience of stepping in another church where you're the stranger stepping in for the first time. It's like culture shock going into a different church. But why am I so passionate about this? I am passionate about this because the stranger was me. Not just here. Anyone who's been on the mission field knows what it's like to be a stranger. Go and ask the worship team to come. See, Pastor Mike and I, two kids and three suitcases, got on an airplane in 1986 and traveled from Ontario to Germany. The German visas, student visas to study, and we stayed there for five years. We planted a church in Switzerland while we were there, and we had to welcome. We had a congregation that had five languages as we welcomed people from all over. That's what we did in that five-year period. But we were the stranger that arrived at some strange airport and couldn't read the signs because they were all in German and didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. And we still remember the day that Harold, a good friend of ours, and then uh, another pastor, the Reynards, came and he was the one who picked us up with the van and brought us to where we were going. We were the strangers that had no one, that didn't know a soul. That wasn't as difficult because we went to Bible school where they spoke English and the Bible school started to welcome us and we started to fit in as a family. But then it was us again being obedient to God's call while we went to Germany in the first place to study. It was us now going to Milan, Italy. Now with three kids and me pregnant. 
The guy who had called us there to help church plant decided he didn't like us coming now and left the church before we even got there. And here we were, a family of two teenagers and a baby, toddler, and a baby on the way, entering into a country where we know no. Don't speak the language. Not a soul. Didn't realize when we walked into an apartment, finally found a place to rent, that, that they don't provide the kitchens in Italy. You just get the bare room. <laughs> and so we were cooking over a little propane stove till somebody helped us find where we could find some used cabinets and a sink and hook it all up. And Why is that picture up there? That's the Bettys. Daniele was... The time, was the heroin addict that we told you about one time before. One of the, there was two Danielis. They became our family. They opened up their home. They opened up our lives, their lives to us. They put up with my broken Italian and helped me with it. She became grandmother to our kids. And her granddaughter, Federica, was the same age as our Caleb, who's in the middle in that picture. And so they were three when they would play together, and Mrs. Betty would say, now you bring the kids here, and you go do what you need to do, and I'll watch Caleb and Stevie, a baby. Actually, the first time some of them would help us watch the baby was on the first Christmas Eve there. We had no one and nowhere to celebrate Christmas. So what we did is we packed lunches and went down to the train station and we gave out food to the homeless. That's our first Christmas in Italy. And others took and watched our newborn baby that was born in September so that we could do that. Unless you've been through that, you don't always understand the importance of welcome, the importance of a kind word, the importance of opening your table to someone and inviting them in, the importance of even when the person doesn't speak the language properly, you're willing to sit there and trouble through that and even get the translator on your phone to try to figure out what they're trying to say to you. You're willing to step towards instead of step away. Because that's what Jesus would do. And the truth of it is, every time we step towards people in those kinds of circumstances, or just a Canadian who's a stranger, or an Islander who's a stranger, we're doing it to Jesus himself. And when we decide to walk away, too busy, too awkward, just don't have the time for it, Jesus says, then when you've done that and withheld it from them, ultimately, you've withheld it from me. Let's pray. Father, this is not an easy message for any of us today. I did not plan to get emotional, but I realize how important it is. To be welcomed. To be loved. To be encouraged. To actually believe as we came along the Betty family and Daniele in the midst of heroin and actually believed with them 
that he could be set free by the grace of Jesus Christ. To bring hope into a hopeless situation. And then for them to receive us so warmly and invite us in and, and all the mess that their family was going through. We were invited into that mess to be a part of it and together to see Danielle set free from heroin. Lord, I can't help to think of those today that will probably never walk inside the doors of our church who don't know anything about Jesus, the people who we sit at the rinks with and sit in gymnastics and go to the soccer field with, the people who work beside us at work and the people that we see and meet in the stores have no concept of what it means to be part of the community of Jesus Christ where there is faith and love and peace and encouragement and salvation and freedom and liberty. And Lord, if we just sit back as we said last week and expect them to walk through our doors, We've stepped away, and that's all it is. We're content to have our own needs met. But I believe today, through your Holy Spirit, you are challenging us to step towards those today as if we were stepping towards Jesus. And Lord, I pray there's something radical happening and going to happen. Because there are things that all of West Prince, they do it. That's not radical. But what needs to be in this church is the radical hospitality of Jesus Christ. And so God, help each one of us. Challenge us this week. It's so easy for all of us to keep the blinders on and need, get to our own needs and our own issues and never see the needs of others. So Holy Spirit, we're asking you today to take the blinders off and show us and help us, Holy Spirit, to give us that nudge that is needed to step towards someone instead of stepping away, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.